What's up everybody and welcome back, welcome back to the Bridging the Gap podcast. A little bit of bad news, I'm probably not going to be slurping on the podcast for a while. Obviously the bulk of those slurps came during during a deficit when caffeine was a must. Now caffeine is a tool and caffeine makes my appetite go away so I've got to stay away from it as much as possible but... Um, I'm sure most of you probably won't be pleased. Um, no, I'm sure most of you will be pleased not to hear it, but there'll be a select few that will miss the slurp, so it's just uh, an air slurp for you. Uh, today I want to talk about two uh, things that I get a lot in the DMs. How do I fix being skinny fat, um, and how do I how do I lose a lot of body fat? So they're two very, very different scenarios, and they require two different very... Two vi- my my bloody words are all over the place today, and we're only one minute in, and we know how we like to keep these. We like to keep them rolling. So uh, they have two different protocols to fix. Uh, they are very very different protocols, um, and they take a little bit of time as well. Like this is the most important thing. Is like you y- you cannot expect very quick results when you're trying to make a huge change to your physique, especially when you're skinny fat, especially when you're really fat. You know, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything in this in this in this podcast. So, let's start with skinny fat. Now, skinny fat is essentially when you're pretty skinny, but also look a little bit podgy and a little bit fat, and you've got maybe like some little lovely love handles and maybe a little pot belly, um, but not a lot of muscle to go with it. Now, my biggest piece of advice here is just to establish consistency, and and that's going to be consistency with training. That's going to be consistency with eating. Your, your your actual goal should be to build food up over a long period of time. Um, while building up your training volume over a long period of time, uh, essentially creating a bigger demand for food um, and then feeding that demand for food. And this is what we're going to talk a little bit about over the next the next five to ten minutes is is how to exactly do that. So um, I'm going to talk you through it, Zoe. I've got, I've got a new client. I'm going to call him Charlie. I don't actually have a Charlie, so it's perfect, perfect name for this scenario. So uh, let's say Charlie comes to me. He is 65 kilos. He's six, let's say he's five foot ten. Um, he wants to put on some muscle, but he also wants to get some abs. And he doesn't like the way that he looks. The first thing that I'm going to get, uh, give Charlie is probably um, a slightly higher protein demand than he needs. Now, we know that roughly speaking, you're good with about 2, 2.2, you probably push it up to 3 if you really wanted to, uh, grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. So 65 kilos, double it pretty much, you know, so 130, probably add on another, an extra 10 or 20 just because we'd probably want to go towards the higher end of that because we know that protein demand um, or, or protein in general is more thermogenically demanding. So it's going to require a little bit more energy to digest, um, which is going to kind of initially increase metabolism because you've got a higher uh, propensity to or a higher need to digest so you're going to have to require more energy so when we say boosting metabolism it just means we are trying to create an energy demand and then feed that um so we'll put you we'll, we'll probably put protein around 160 just to keep it easy um i would then probably set set them up based off what they've been eating um, but I'm going to say that they've not been tracking just for argument's sake. I'm probably going to stick somewhere around two and a half thousand calories because that's, that's generally speaking what the average male uh, should be eating around. Um, now, it always starts generic. It has to start generic. There is no way that I'm going to guess X, Y, and Z's metabolism. That's not possible. There's too many factors. How much did you walk today? How well did you sleep? 
how much did you eat today? Did you undereat the day before? How active have you been in the gym? Did you get any people? Like every single one of those variables has an impact on metabolism. You don't sleep very well, metabolism's worse. Like it's literally like that. So when you've got these calculators that are giving you these, these arbitrary numbers, uh, use them as arbitrary numbers. Don't use them as gospel. You don't know where your metabolism is. You don't know where your surplus is. It's not fucking possible to know where those things are because there is too many variables. Unless there's a calculator with about 15, 20 inputs, which I don't know of one yet, might be wrong, uh, you're going to be getting a guesstimate. And that's not a problem. That's not a problem at all, but I'm, I'm just, that's my little irk. It's people saying, I'm 500 calories in a surplus. No, you're fucking not. You don't know how many calories in your surplus. It could be 471. Could be five two one. Could be five two three. Do you know what I mean? Uh, but roughly speaking, um, you can you can get a ballpark figure. You know, a give or take figure. Um, so I'll probably st- that would probably end up around three hundred carb and maybe 50, 60 fat on training days. Um, and I would probably reduce food a little bit on non training days just to kind of create a little bit more demand um, for energy on those days. Uh, and then and then the main part of the story is going to be to do with training. Now, you're skinny fat, you need muscle, but you also need to lose body fat. Well, guess what happens with metabolism when you get more muscle? It goes up. And then guess what happens? You end up tipping into a little bit of a deficit and recomping. Uh, you'll be in this unique position as a skinny fat person or someone who has not got hold of these variables. Um, in fact, in terms of recomposition, anyone who's not got hold of all the variables could probably hope for a little bit of recomposition. And then if you've got the more and more variables you've got the hang of, the less and less recomposition is likely. Um, so we're going to focus on training. We're going to get you some big lifts. We're going to get you strong. We're going to keep your volume pretty low uh, to start off with. And we're just going to get you nice and strong. And we're going to do that for a few weeks. And then from there, we're going to see how your weight, what, what your weight does, how your weight manipulates. Uh, do you go from 65 kilos to 60 kilos? Do you go from 65 to 70? This immediately gives us info on the food that we've given you. Our goal should be to float around the same, if not increase weight a little bit. Because you need muscle to build that metabolism up in order to pull off that body body fat. It might be that I stick you on two and a half thousand calories and that's too much for you. And you do gain weight and you do start to gain body fat. From there, you just adjust. Super, super easy. You're weighing yourself seven days a week. You've got an average gain of week. If the average gain is too high, you just bring you bring the calories down. If the average weight is too low and, you, and you're losing weight, you bring the calories up. But the idea should be to start training nice and low. Start food on a bare minimum to keep your weight. Add in a couple sets. Add in a little bit more food. You know, and then add in a little bit more food. And as your demand for food rises, because you should be getting better at lifts, and we know that if you're doing more than the last week, for example, you got 100 kilo bench press, you did it for five last week, you did it for 10 this week, that's five more reps, that's five more reps of energy that you've used. Therefore, the demand for calories will be a little bit higher with progress so this is why potentially this is a little bit of a tangent potentially if you are increasing in the gym but your body weight isn't necessarily i would say that there will be a point where you'll need to put that food up because your demand is going up because because uh, you are doing more in the gym. You did more than the last week. Therefore, there's going to be a point when that's going to push you into a deficit. Um, and that's what's something that you want to avoid. Um, 
And similarly for the skinny fat dude, like there is not going to be a point where we see weight go down, or there shouldn't be. We're not aiming for that. We're aiming to just slowly push that up. And it might take it might take five months to get five kilos on. But I promise you that a lot of that will be muscle if you've if you've really focused on your training, your execution, your intensity, um, and really kind of pushed up training volume alongside food. From there, you're going to see your body transform, and you're going to see the fullness come, and you're going to see the positives of, of actually putting your food up. And if I'm honest, I probably wouldn't want to stop you there. I'd probably want to keep you going for another five months, and I'd probably look to do this for a year at least before any kind of pullback. We would want food to get up towards 4,000, 5,000 calories before any type of pullback. The only, the only reason I can see a pullback for, for people is if you've got too much body fat, which is not going to be the case for someone who's skinny fat because they're skinny, okay, is fat, but it looks fat because of the lack of muscle, um, and or you just can't eat anymore and your appetite's not good enough and you're up towards 5,000 calories. If your appetite's not good enough on 3,000 calories, there's something that you need to address with digestion. There's something that you need to address with your training recovery because there's a reason why you can't eat anymore and you should be able to eat a lot more. Um, and, and, and that would be it. You just slowly build that food up over time. You know, you're not in a rush. You're just looking to gain lean tissue. And I've actually got a client who's doing this at the moment, Ben. Um, I don't know if you'll be listening to this, but he's the perfect example. But he just wasn't fat. He was just very, very skinny. Uh, and we've just added food in. He was 65. He went to 70. And he looks just as lean at 765. He looks just as lean as 65. And I know that he'll probably look just as lean at 75 because you've got, you've got that natural metabolism boost of just being in that primed skinny position if you're skinny your odds are your body wants more food you know because the, the human body is not meant to be super skinny it's not a bit it's not meant to be super super muscly but um it's definitely not meant to be super skinny some muscle mass um some form of intake will be will be very very good so skinny fat the answer build up your food over time preferably do this for as long as you physically can if it's two years fantastic if it's one year fantastic if it's anything less than six months i would definitely uh just try and push that a little bit further uh, and build up your food alongside it build up your training volume maybe add in a few sets here and there um, but keep the essence of training the same keep the intensity keep the focus there um, and that's honestly going to fix it that's honestly going to fix it and what's going to happen is, is you're going to build up build up build up probably not gain too much body fat whatsoever and then when you do get to a point when your body fat's quote unquote uncomfortable that's when your metabolism is in a good place to cut if you're gaining weight on 2000 calories your metabolism is not in a place to cut you know like where are you going to go you're going to go down to a thousand calories fuck that you know, you need to be on 4,000 calories. So when you go down to three, you drop weight like a ton of bricks, but you're still eating 3,000 calories. It's not sustainable to eat under, let's say, 2,000 calories for a long period of time. Def don't, don't get me wrong, you definitely have to at some point. I've definitely eaten way under that plenty of times for prep. But that is not a good position to lose body fat from. So you have to consider that. Build your metabolism, build your strength, build your muscle. Um, and worry about getting lean later. I promise you the sacrifice of just sucking it up for a little bit, especially as you're skinny fat, you're not fat fat, you know what I mean? Like you're probably going to look quite good and actually the body fat is probably going to hold more size for you. Um, you just kind of kind of work through that as you go. Um, I think that's pretty much what summarized. I actually didn't make any notes today, which is awful of me. But that, 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 that's, that's the process that I've taken with a lot of dudes who have come to me with the skinny fat syndrome. Um, I don't mean skinny fat as an offensive way. I just literally mean it. You are skinny and you also got a bit of body fat. It's, it's nothing uh, against anyone or anything. This is just a solution for it. And, and, and it does take a bit of time and it does take a bit of uh, managing the, the variables. And you do need to sleep well and you do need to eat well. And you just need to focus on, on taking care 
care of yourself and building things up alongside each other. Now, in reverse to that, we've got the fat fat situation. So this is someone who's heavily overweight, obese, 120 odd kilos, but five foot 10. Um, I've got plenty of clients like that. Um, I'm not sure they wouldn't mind me um, using them as an example. I won't name names, but this is uh, almost... Uh, there's a, there's a few ways you can take with this. You can you can you can actually take the same route as the skinny fat um, because often this is not the case for everyone. But often someone who has a like a lot of body fat to lose, we're talking thirty kilos to be in a position where you're healthy, lean, uh, not shredded, but just you know healthy, you look good, feel good. Uh, that's a lot of body fat, 30 kilos is a lot of body fat to lose. You could almost take the same process, so you could build up food and you could build up volume, but a lot of people come to me with just a, a slower metabolism, so like they've been like starving themselves, eating 1,500 calories a day, and then maybe at the weekend they go and binge, you know, so it's, it, it, it becomes like this process of actually never giving your body a chance to build your metabolism and actually a perfect example of this is mike diamonds uh those of you guys who know mike diamonds uh he struggled to lose body fat you know we had to run him down to the ground 1200 calories fucking an hour cardio 90 minutes cardio a day and he just really struggled to lose body fat that's because we, we he never spent that chart that time to build up his metabolism up towards those 4000 calories you know while keeping fairly lean in the off season it was just like okay, I'm going to diet five, six times a week and then one day a week I'm going to eat whatever and have like six, 7,000 calories. Do you know what I mean? So those six, 7,000 calories get distributed over the week. You still, you just remain the same the whole time, but you've starved for five, six days and then put it all on. Um, or you get the people who just overeat all the time, um, which leads them to gain body fat. So again, the key here is just to find an equilibrium. Uh, and often you'll find that you'll, that you, that you'll give you'll give these guys food and, and this has happened with like eight out of ten of the, the guys that i've had who've had to lose a shit ton of, of body fat you give them a load of food and they're like fuck i'm not used to eating this much food you know luke one of my guys uh he was like i can't believe i'm eating this much food and look like this you know uh and it's because you're feeding the body what it needs you're not overfeeding what it needs and you're not underfeeding what it needs you're just giving it what it needs every single day and guess what happens you don't get as hungry you don't get those binging urges. You don't get that need to like to to just push yourself into starvation mode because you've overeaten one day. You just you just have the amount that you need, so you do feel a lot better for it. Um, but the process that I'm most likely taking, and this is what I'm going to say, so we'll do the same thing. Let's say I've got Charlie come to me again. He's 130 kilos. He's six foot, whatever it is. We know that he probably needs to be 100 kilos. He needs to lose at least 30. So the first thing I'm going to do is is, is try and find a baseline. So again, same principle as before, two grams of protein. Um, I'm probably more going on the lower side here because actually a lot of the body weight is is fat versus muscle. And we know that protein's a little bit more, uh, a little bit, like you'd want to make that equation mostly off muscle mass. But for most people, they haven't got loads of body fat, so you can just use it off the body weight. But if you've got 30 kilos extra fat, you don't necessarily need all that extra protein. So I'd probably do 100, I'd probably give them 200, 200 protein if you're 130 kilos. 200 protein, uh, a very, very similar start. 300, 400 carb, 50, 60 fat, and we'll just see what happens. And more than likely in this position, I'm going to actually pull you down and I'm going to pull it quite hard. 
and I'm probably going to pull you down towards 1800 calories, 1700 calories, and I'm probably going to put your cardio up towards four or five times a week because we really, really want to be able to create that energy demand. We really want your body to use uh, the body fat as energy source. So we want to create a big deficit. And more often than not, body weight doesn't change loads because they're also going through a recomposition. You know, and, and if you, you might train, but if it's not to the part the if it's not to the standard that i would be expecting so like the intensity the progress the meticulousness of of, of training and whatnot you're probably going to gain muscle you know and maybe they'll fluctuate like more than likely they're going to they're going to come down like two or three kilos over four or five weeks but say you've lost three kilos but gained two kilos of muscle that's a five kilo swing but only one kilo on the scale so the pictures become everything in this so if you're a coach out there and you've got a heavily overweight client you've got to get them to get pictures even if they don't look at them even if they just take them leave them on their phone or leave them and send them to you you know because i promise you when you look at the four week because like a big person they change quick someone with a lot of body fat they change quick um just because it just takes shape so quickly so you've got to reinforce you've got to reinforce that process with them with pictures because the body weight scale is not going to be reflective of what's actually happening and that's a big problem that i've had um with the bigger clients is their body weight their body scale doesn't change loads and they're like am i even losing body fat he's like yes motherfucker look at these pictures like you're changing loads like waist comes in shoulders fill out yes you've got loads of body fat still but that doesn't matter because um, it's it's a process and you are recomping. And I'm probably going to pull that food down for something like 8 to 12 weeks. If they can hack it for 12 weeks, I'm going to go for 12 weeks. If they can hack it for 8, um, or they can't hack it more than 8, I'm going to stop at 8. And then I'm going to go into a reverse diet. And this is where the magic happens. This is where 99% of people just stop, just start losing body fat like a motherfucker. Um, and it's crazy to see and it blows my bloody mind every single day uh, that I do this to some of my clients because back in the day I was like you just got to keep it a calorie deficit bro calorie deficit bro and then I'm giving these guys extra food I'm giving these guys extra food I'm pulling down their cardio and I'm making them do less and they're just losing weight and they're losing weight and they're losing weight and it just becomes an energy balance game uh, and I don't know if any of you guys have heard, uh, seen my reverse diet video with Mike Diamonds but I explain it there and I'll, but I'll briefly go through it now so we pull down food, pull down food, increase cardio. We create this huge demand for energy that we're not necessarily giving or not, not, not necessarily providing. So you're going to use a lot of body fat to come down, but you're also trying to build muscle. And your body wants to build muscle because we're training intensely, we're, we're sleeping well, we've, we, we, we've got hold of, of the variables. So then we get to that ultra low, say 1,500 calories, five cardios a week or whatever. And then we start freeing up cardio we start dropping you to three lots of cardio. And that extra fuel makes you feel better. And you start training harder. And then that little bit of deficit that you had starts to become a bigger deficit because you're now freeing up, say, 400 calories of extra energy from reducing cardio. But that 400 calories of extra energy is now translating into 450 calories extra expenditure. So it's, it's like an exchange of, of currency and, and your currency is calories. I'm giving you more calories, which is then giving you more energy to output. And it just happens to be that the output, because we've created such a huge demand and a 
you're in a highly responsive state to food, you're going to use so much more of that food as energy. You're going to utilize that 400 calories much better than someone who's in a huge surplus. So that's something to consider. And then as you drip feed food in, you're going to just see this weight absolutely drop off. And it's going to keep dropping off and it's going to keep dropping off. And then there'll be a point where it stops dropping off. And then when that point stops dropping off, the and depending on where your calories are, if your calories are super, super, super high, three and a half plus, great. Go back into a deficit and pull off some more body fat and repeat that process. Because if you've got to pull 30 kilos off and you want to do it sustainably and you're not a competitor, you cannot do this in one go. You can, but it's not fucking fun. It's not going to be nice. It's going to be horrific, and you're going to want to binge, and you're going to want to come off. So instead, you pull them down until the tolerance is not there, and then you push them up until the body fat starts going on, basically. And then you do the same thing. You pull it back down to the tolerance, you push back up, you pull down to the tolerance, and you can shift 8 to 10 kilos a time. And you can do this three times a year. So you're going to move that 30 kilos over a year. It's just that people want it now, and they're not ready to, they're not prepared to do that for the year. So perfect example that uh, Luke came to me at 100 kilos. We pulled him right down to about 90. Uh, we then pushed him back up. No, in fact, he was about 100 and something. We pulled him down to 95. Um, we then pushed him up. He kept dropping till about 92-ish. And now he's 99 and we've pushed him up. He's still got a lot of body fat to lose. He'll say that himself and I'll say that to him as well. But he like he's literally the same weight as when he started. But he's eating... 2,000 more calories, he's doing no cardio, he looks incredibly improved, we're talking muscle mass everywhere, we're talking shape everywhere, yes he doesn't have shredded abs, yes he doesn't got a shredded back, yes he hasn't got shredded legs, but he is incredibly improved, and now we've just held him at like 98, 99 for the last four or five weeks, but we've managed to put up food, so when you find that 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 point of, we're talking about the wake up, so we've already pulled you really really hard now as we come up uh, we're going to add in food until you stop gaining weight essentially uh, into, sorry we're going to keep adding food in until you uh, stop losing weight and let's say it gets to two and a half thousand calories and you start evening out at 90 kilos and then i put in a bit more food and you go to 90.1 and then a bit more food 90.2 okay cool we've now found our metabolism we've now found where maintenance is two and a half thousand calories these are arbitrary numbers so now the goal is to do the same thing as what we did with the skinny fat. And we're adding a little bit more training volume and we'll put in a bit more food. And we're trying to work up this food toward three and a half thousand calories. Uh, I say three and a half just because I feel like three is pretty low and you can drop down to 2,000 pretty quickly. Whereas if you're on three and a half, you could drop down to 2,000 over a longer period of time. Uh, again, these are not like special numbers. 2,000 is not a special number. It just, they just... That's just where people start to suffer a little bit. And if you're a lifestyle client, you, I don't think you need to really suffer at any point. You can definitely go through hard. Like you can definitely be fucking hard and stuff, but I don't think you need to suffer uh, like a prep would. Um, it, you just got to control it right. And then we're going to push up food, push up food very, very slowly. And as soon as we see the physique change for the negative, potentially just before, if we can start to kind of pick up on those signs, but a lot of it is just seeing what's in front of you. Then we're going to drop the calories again. So with Luke, we've been doing this for about six to nine months, I believe. I can't remember off the top of my head. I haven't got his things up in front of me. Pulled down for four months. We've now been coming up for like the last three or four months. Uh, he's got a holiday in May, June. So that's perfect timing for us to push until about March. And then we'll drop the hammer again. 
for 12 weeks and we'll try and move 10 kilos again and that 10 kilos he'll be back down to 90 it'll be his lowest weigh in ever but he'll look stark difference so it's got to be a process of all of these people and and it's got to massively rely on visuals because if you've got someone who's established in training established in recovery just an average body fat whatever 15 to 20 percent not heavily obese not super skinny and they've been doing this for a while you can bet it's really really easy just to manipulate things up and manipulate things down because you know that body weight should roughly be going up or body weight should roughly be going down if you're in a cut but if you've got these these huge swings of muscle mass and body fat for example skinny and fat you're going to be gaining a lot more muscle than you think you are uh, and and to be and to be honest, the same for for a, a obese dude. You're going to be gaining a lot more muscle than you can see. So this is where the pictures become absolutely paramount, and how the person feels. Um, it does become a task to try and detach themselves from the weight. But if you can detach the people from the weight and just start talking about how they feel, how's the performance, how's the recovery? Are you feeling like? tighter in your skin are you feeling like you feel your shirts out more or you feel like your, your jeans are getting looser all these things uh become way more important than what's happening on the scale because too much of a swing is happening with muscle mass glycogen fat it, 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 it is difficult don't get me wrong they're variables you do need to track and they're variables that will really help but they are definitely things that are less important than the normal person um quote unquote normal no one's fucking normal um, but I hope that makes sense. Like, if you've got any questions about this, maybe your coaches yourselves, maybe maybe you're in that scenario. Um, just 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 listen back through the podcast. Like, you know, try and implement these steps and understand it's not going to happen over a couple months. It's really really not. You know, don't get me wrong. You could be feeling much much better in a couple months, and you'll know you're on the right path in a few months. But you're not going to be at your goal. You're not. And and that's something that you as a coach need to tell your client, or you as someone who's in this position, you need to be real with yourself. You know, if you've got 30 kilos to lose, and you're morbidly obese, whatever, whatever the situation is, super, really, really skinny, anorexic, whatever, whatever the situation is, it's not going to happen overnight. It's just consistent, persistent, and maybe a little bit of support from people. So I hope that makes sense, guys. Um, I wanted to just briefly talk about those things because I know that they are key things in the industry that people suffer with. Like, it's, it's insecurities. Like, people don't want to be morbidly obese. People don't want to be uh, super, super skinny. I'm sure some people do. I'm just saying in the context of bodybuilding and the people that talk to me, uh, I think these are solutions for you. And I think this is something that you should you should run with. And if you do have questions on it, you can drop me a, a DM, Josh Bridgman. Uh, you can drop a comment on one of my YouTube videos at Josh Bridgman Fitness. Uh, uh, we can work out together. I'm going to leave that bit there. Uh, we're going to run into some Q&As and we'll wrap up the podcast, guys. First question is going to be, is there a difference in training and nutrition for a natty versus enhanced athlete? Uh, no, not really. I get asked this a lot and there is no difference. You should be training the exact same um, and it just means within your means. I know natty guys who can recover better than me. I know natty guys who can handle more volume than me. I know guys on gear that can handle less volume than me. Uh, it's very individual rather than like, are you using steroids or not? So definitely just do, you want to do as much as you physically can while you can recover as much as you physically can while eating the widest spectrum of micronutrients, the healthiest food that you can. And that's something that everyone should live by, natty or not, vegan or not, whatever it is. Um, you should definitely... Uh, get involved uh business plans did you buy the tesla your future in london there's like three questions in one 
Uh, let's start with the Tesla. So I, I test drove the Tesla yesterday. Uh, sorry, on Tuesday. Today's Thursday. Um, the Tesla Model 3. It is unbelievably quick. Uh, for those of you guys who follow me for a while, I rented a Ferrari for my dad in Dubai. Um, it was probably quicker than the Ferrari. Like, we did not to 100 in, in, in an obscene amount. I shouldn't be saying this, but it was obscenely quick. Uh, the minimalist style was so, so sexy. No single button in there except for one window, like, on each side. Uh, everything was on the big centerpiece console. Ah, uh, oh, the techno. Like I'm a techno guy. I, I love technology, and the technology in there was just so good. Um, I wouldn't mind it to be a little bigger. I'm getting a little bit big, and I was very snug. And like for those of you guys uh, who are interested, you'll see that like I filmed the whole experience. If you're listening, Tesla, no, I didn't because we got told we couldn't, and we had to put the big camera down. But you use the iPhone because it's still 4K. Um, it, I, I could do with it being a little bit bigger, and I'm only going to get bigger. Uh, and like I put the seat on the lowest setting and I could do with an inch that's fine but because I'm not going to get taller um, and I was a little bit snug like, I really want the X but the X is just extortionate and to be honest I wanted the long range in Model 3 and the long range was like £150 extra a month than the cheapest version the cheapest version was about 450 a month um, it works out about 300 if I take off all of my petrol and all my tax per year. Because obviously I drive a fair amount, so I'd probably spend about £200 petrol, £150 petrol. So I could immediately take that off the bill because it's like £5, whatever. So it's about 300 ish um, Obviously I still pay 460 but in savings it works out a bit cheaper. Uh, which is, it's, it's, it's expensive. Like, I don't know where everyone lives around the world, but where I live, like, I can get a mortgage for 400 quid a month, you know? Like, obviously, it's a, it's a cheaper place. Like, it's not London where you have to pay thousands, but, you know, it, it's very difficult. Like, regardless of what people earn or what I earn or, you know, if I earn 50 grand a month or if I earn five grand a month, like, I've still got this, like, mentality, and I don't want to keep this mentality, to be honest, of, like, I've, I know what money can do for me, and I know what money can do for people, and just for me to throw away, like, a mortgage a month on a car, I'm like, can I do this? Can I do that? It, it gives me that, like, spending anxiety. Um, and the one above that I really kind of wanted was 600 a month. So that is, oh, it's just a little, I think that's a little bit too much. I could, I could I could probably afford it. I probably could afford it. But I don't know if it's the smartest thing to do. And the good thing is I can put it through my business and whatnot. And, but I don't know. I just, I just, it's a lot of money. It's a lot, a lot of money. And I don't know whether I could do a lot better with that money, you know, and just get a cheaper car for a 200 quid a month or something. I could still get an E-Class for like 300 quid a month, you know. Like I could still get like a nice car. Um yeah, it's, it's a difficult decision. It's a difficult decision. I've also got to consider the plug. Like, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna move to London. This can come into your uh, future in London question. Um, I'm gonna, I'm moving to London in April, May. My girlfriend's contract is up on the, um, on, or my girlfriend's mortgage is up on April. She's still got to find a buyer. Um, but as soon as we find a buyer, we'll be able to look for places. But I, I've got to be able to find a plug. And if I'm in an apartment block with no parking. Like, I'm not going to be able to run a plug from my window all the way down. If I live in, like, a house, if I live anywhere that I could run a plug from a window, like, it's going to be weird. Like, people are just going to pull it out. It's London, do you know what I mean? 
Um, so ideally, if we could find a place with a car park and a Tesla port, that'd be fantastic. But that's it's going to cost me a lot more to do that. So there's the cost of the actual Tesla, which is not cheap. And then there's the cost of like wherever, like the extra I've got to pay to to live somewhere with a car park and, a, and an electric thing. So I think I'm going to wait. The lead times on the Tesla were, were May anyway. And if we move in in April, um, and that'll give me like six, seven weeks to to kind of establish whether I can work it in London or not. Like, I know there are ports all over London, but I don't really want to be like, oh, my Tesla needs fuel. Let's just go drive somewhere and wait for like two hours. That's not really what I want to do. So um, yeah, that's that with the Tesla. So I'm not sure yet. Business plans, like I just want to keep growing everything that I've got right now. Um, I do think that largely my business will depend on demand. And at the moment, I'm just trying to create demand. So I'm putting more content out. I'm putting better content out, higher quality. I've just hired a videographer. Um, so we, we work full time on all my videos, all my social medias. And I'm just trying to grow it. I'm just trying to get bigger uh, because inevitably, like I, I could throw out one of our merch you know every month if i wanted to i've got like a set amount of money that i put aside for that and i just let it like buy and sell buy and sell so i don't need to put any more money into it so i could do that but like i don't know if that's worth it i don't know whether it's worth just keeping buying and selling stuff or whether i need to wait until there's more demand and then bring in a few more products rather than just getting hoodies in selling those t-shirts selling those whatever the next thing selling those i'd much rather get two or three things in but then the demand's not there so i can't really do that like my demand's about 200 people ish which is pretty decent like to be fair like compared to alpha stuff it's not but for me like i'm i'm, I'm privileged to have 200 people want to buy stuff off me um two to three hundred people like instantly that's like the that's like the 48 hour demand um that i've kind of worked off of my uh of my last kind of buys um, obviously that demand will increase over a week, over a month, and you can obviously keep telling people that you've got it. Um, but you, you, you want to live off or you don't want to live off. You want to focus on that immediate demand. And I just want to grow that a little bit more. So if I can get up to 500 people by the end of this year, that would be fucking awesome. Cause that, that is a, that is, is business that you can, you can flip, you know, getting a hundred hoodies here and there you know, spending a couple grand here and there and then flipping them for a, for a little bit. Like, it's good, it, it's okay, and it does support the brand and it gets the name out. But I think what gets the name out faster at the moment is just building YouTube, building Instagram, building those things. So I'm just going to invest a little bit more into that and just heighten the quality there. And and I'll see, like, for me, business is going to present itself. Like, I never, I don't know what I'm going to do next. Um, or I, I, know what I know what I've got planned for the next few months but I don't know what I've got planned next in terms of like making one MR bigger, making the business bigger and whatnot. So um, yeah, it's difficult, but I appreciate the question. Uh, where did you learn about strength profiles and resistance profiles? So I learned these from the Muscle Mentors. They run seminars all over the country, all over the year, one of the two. All over the year, they have seminars in places. <laughs> uh, and I went to a couple last year. Um, I also went to Integra. So Integra Education, they also teach about this. Um, just to reaffirm my knowledge. But they talk about way more than just those. Like Those are not just the important things. You've got to talk about forces. Uh, if you don't understand forces, you're not going to understand the machines. Um, and there's a lot to go into it. So I recommend actually going to one of those. I'm sure they've got their announcement some dates soon. Um, so I think it'll be pretty good. Um, 
Longest I've ever gone without a deload in an off-season. I've probably done 16 to 18 weeks, probably, which is which is, which is is a long time. Uh, no, uh, in fact, oh, in an off-season, yeah, 16 to 18 weeks in an off-season. That, that was pushing it. I definitely noticed it, but I had to hold it a little bit later because I was going on holiday. So I thought I might as well hold on for two weeks and go on holiday and then just deload while I'm on holiday rather than having to train while I'm on holiday. So that's why it extended so long. But on prep, I did six months. I did, In fact, I did longer than that. I did about nine months straight. Nine months straight and I crashed in December. I took two weeks completely off the gym. And when I got back into the gym, I didn't even want to train. So I took another few days off. Uh, I was absolutely wrecked. And that was nine months in a row. Um, so yeah uh, would you recommend doing shows with dates close together uh, to prevent diet fatigue yes I would 100% do that uh, don't get me wrong You sometimes it's, it's unavoidable and, and maybe like the British finals the worlds are like a few months later so then you just deal with it you reverse diet you maintain you can come back down to a deficit if you need to and it's very very hard but if you can and you want to do a couple shows a year you want to get them close together just so that you don't have to kind of be in that deficit for even longer you've also got to consider um not qualifying for the final so if say your finals are in september the first second and you compete the end of uh, august and you don't make it then it's not good so you know you want a buffer as well so you've got to you got to plan that season smartly we're creeping up on 30 38 minutes now guys so we're going to keep it right there um if you've got any questions at all guys as always, just drop me a message. Um, I'll speak to you all very soon. Peace and love, everybody. Bye-bye.